0: All right, so we have Amber Antonelli and Anthony Esposito today from Awaken Your Soul Retreat that serves uh, the sacred medicine of Iboga in Costa Rica. Welcome to the Herbal Hour podcast. We spoke a little bit uh, previously before this, getting some idea of some topics we might cover. Uh, I just want to give a chance for you guys to uh, express uh, what your journey has been, uh, how you think about Iboga, what you offer how you got into offering it, that kind of thing.
1: Uh, You want to start?
0: Me? Okay.
2: Perfect. Uh, So, yeah, like we were just chatting about before we came on recording. Yeah, for me, I mean, I'm in my mid-40s now, and I first discovered plant medicine at, I think, 33 or 34. And it was ayahuasca that me and my wife, Amber, first started um, experiencing for our own healing and what led me to ayahuasca was, um, you know, as a young boy, I had a lot of sexual trauma. I was being um, sexually abused, oh, that was my cat, being sexually abused mm-hmm. by um, my stepbrother. And this went on for maybe, you know, five to seven years. And, and so the results of that, the result of that was a lot of anxiety, uh, lack of trust, you know, lots of depression, Um, I was very angry. Uh, I was, I was acting out in, um, violent ways, punching walls. And, um, yeah, I just, you know, I was just really not in a, um, a peaceful state. And by the time I was 16 or 17, I was on antidepressants and anxiety medication because I was out of control. And, um, you know, my family didn't know at the time what happened to me and everybody was always wondering what, what's wrong with Anthony. And, and then, you know, that led to different types of substance abuse and just finding ways to suppress my feelings and the anxiety because I, it was, I, was, I was uncomfortable. I was really uncomfortable for a long period of time. and um, And so by the time I got to my early thirties, I decided to like just do the self-imposed detox from pharmaceuticals. And while I was doing that, the spirit of ayahuasca showed up in in our lives. So a friend of mine who uh, mentioned that it might be good for me. And so we had this amazing retreat. We were in Thailand at the time, a Peruvian shaman had come there and we experienced a week-long retreat and three ceremonies. And during that retreat, it was very clear to me that I wasn't gonna take another pharmaceutical, antidepressant, anti-anxiety medication to suppress my feelings. Like the, the teaching was that you're gonna now begin to learn how to sit with your feelings and learn about your feelings and um, understand why you're feeling the way you feel. And so you could begin to start working through it. And it was a three year period that we, we lived in um, Peru for like six months. And and then we traveled to Peru multiple times from the States to to continue working with ayahuasca. And we probably did maybe 25 to 30 ceremonies over a three year period for our own healing. And a lot of magic was happening and Uh, A lot of healing was happening on many levels, and um, yeah, I think from that point, it was like pretty clear that we were going to continue working with the plants, or at least Aya, until um, Iboga in 2013, about three years after Aya showed up in my life, and I came down to Costa Rica and experienced a week-long retreat, similar to what we have here, but very different. (laughs) The energy is very different, and what we offer is, is completely different. Um, but yeah, from that moment, uh, something was happening with a Boga where it was calling me on a really deep level that when I returned back to Miami to see Amber, cause she wasn't with me, I told her, I said, I don't know, but I, I need to go back there. Something is happening. This medicine's calling me. And so I emailed the retreat and asked them if I could volunteer long story short, they invited me back. And since May of 2013, my work has been serving the, the spirit of a um, I started training to become an aboga provider, traveled to Gabon three times over the last eight years and going back this August, so that'll be number four. And um, yeah, I worked at another retreat. I became a partner in that retreat and kept training and training. And eventually after about four years of training, I started serving the medicine in 2016, uh, maybe 2017. And, and then in 2019, Amber and I opened our own retreat, Awaken Your Soul, Um, so yeah, it's been a a, a magical and really profound experience for me and journey and it's still unfolding. I mean, there's moments where I still receive a lot of wisdom from my first couple experiences with the Boga and, um, yeah, we just, uh, for me is just been really following this, uh, the, the medicine and the teachings of the medicine, the wisdom of the medicine and, I think that Iboga is a manifesting machine, you know, mm-hmm. when I look around today and, and, and what we've created in our lives, it's really magical. I mean, sometimes I, I wake up in the morning and just like pinch myself and ask myself, how, how, how the hell did I get here?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the That's funny. a good feeling. Yeah. It's a pretty incredible. It's like the yeah. opposite of uh, the yeah. hit rock bottom feeling. <laughs> it's like, how did uh, I, how did I, how did my life become so amazing? I don't even know how that happened. Right. Um, there's certainly a lot of guiding forces working, especially in in, in this area. Uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you guys, what are your kind of biggest insights from the more traditional forms of iboga ceremonies? Uh, in terms of things that you kind of saw that might be really helpful in terms of holding a retreat or just working with the medicine in general, like did you pick up any kind of uh, kind of tips and tricks or insights? um, from the more, uh, the longer lineages, like you were talking about the Buiti tradition in yeah. Gabon, for, for example.
1: Yeah, I, I do think though, just for the, um, for the sake of the listeners to sort of understand both of us here it would be helpful if I said a little bit about how I got to this work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we can answer that question.
3: Absolutely. Uh,
1: my story is way different than Anthony's in terms of, I was not at rock bottom. I did not come from a significant amount of trauma in my life, although there have been many traumas that I didn't really give myself space to understand how they had impacted me. Um, you know, but loving parents, both of them worked from home. So they were super present in my life, but they got divorced yeah. when I was very, very young. And, um, you know, through series of events and interrelationally between both of my parents individually, I had a lot of walls up, a lot of anger, a lot of codependent tendencies. Um, you know, and of course in our cultures, you know, we don't teach a whole lot about spiritual connection and connection to self and, you know, feeling purposeful in life, having a, a way to find our center, a way to, you know, connect to our emotions and understand what's going on within us. And So, you know, like so many people, I think I was quite lost in all of those regards and um, had a tendency to attract people in my life that were very, very damaged. Um, My sense is that I was masking my own pain by surrounding myself with people who were way more um, damaged than I was. And, you know, enter my relationship with Anthony 14 years ago. He was a hot mess and I was... I was excited to sign up for that, you know, <laughs> just sort of pr- pr- proof that, um, you know, there was something in my life that I was deflecting and, um, <clears throat> you know, fast forward a few years to his self-imposed detox and, you know, he was firing me out of control. I had no idea what was going on because he didn't even tell me that he was having this detox and, um, uh, I actually went to go meet with the person to sign him up for this retreat because he became very physically ill as he was Mm. detoxing. And the person I went to meet with looked at me and said, well, why aren't you coming? And I was like, well, I don't know. What do you mean? I'm not broken. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't have anything to work on. And, you know, that wasn't necessarily my, my feeling in my mind, like, oh, I don't have anything to work on, but It was much more about focusing on Anthony and all of his pain than really looking at any of mine. And so it became very clear in this conversation with this person that I was meant to do the work as well. And, you know, that, that was the beginning of this journey into the self and, um, you know, a a few years later finding Iboga again through Anthony. So he's sort of been my, my conduit, um, you know, and learning all about the different layers within myself and how I show up in the world, what works, what doesn't. And, you know, I, I think my story is particularly important because I'm just a a, quote, regular human having, you know, in a bit and difficulty navigating this life. I didn't have an extreme amount of trauma. I mean, I have enough trauma now I can understand how it's affected me. But I wasn't dealing with significant abuse. I wasn't dealing with significant addictive patterning, um, you know, any sort of PTSD, you know, anything that was very obvious in sort of a more clinical sense. And, you know, this medicine has a reputation, especially in the addiction community for being super intense and really like, you know, a lot of people think like you, you come to this medicine when you need to throw the book at it, you know, at this thing that you can't quite figure out how to heal in any other way. And I'm a testament to that actually not being the case, that it is really also so incredibly impactful just to uplevel our awareness of who we are and how we want to walk through this life from a more grounded, peaceful, aware, kind, loving, compassionate way. And, you know, to Anthony's point, it's or maybe you said it earlier, I don't know if it was recorded, but like, we're still going, there's no, like we haven't reached the end of our journey by any means, If, if anything, signing on to open this retreat and hold the space for the people that, that come here so delicate with their heart and psyche in their hands, looking for more out of their lives is, is even more of a push for us to do our own work. So it it doesn't. It's not. There's no end in sight, um, which is a beautiful. So true.
0: Thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm people sure who seek healing, they they well. bring healing to the people who go through the process. It's this kind of mysterious uh, type of thing. I notice a lot of, in my practice that a lot of the patients I get force me to look at my own kind of things that I may have not even thought of until I met the patient. And then I'm like, oh, I never even thought about that. And then I start noticing it myself and I'm like, oh, wait, like, there's some elements of, of all these things in in everyone. And then that's how we work through it.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, how but-
0: um, how does, uh, actually, go, go ahead. Sorry. I know yeah, uh, well, that's a two part question. To,
1: to um, touch on the question that you asked about what indigenous um, aspects of this tradition do we really resonate with?
0: And yeah. Like we- insights you picked up from your studies of the more uh, classic, like Buiti tradition, things like that. Like how, how do they do the uh, Iboga retreat or the Iboga ceremony that, that sure. you think is is very wise or, or, or a, a good way to look at the medicine?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I, I have not trained it super directly in Gabon. I've mm-hmm. been for my own initiation. And of course there was some aspects of training in my trip, but Anthony has much deeper training in that regard. Although I've worked very closely with him for a long time. Um, I'm not gonna say that I have a, a very wide base of knowledge around the WIT as far as, I mean, some people go and work and live and for months and months and, um, That has not been my process. A lot of what I bring to this medicine is my own intuition and my own experience with myself and with guests. And um, I think I have a very deep and clear connection to the medicine, but I would say my two favorite things about this medicine and the tradition is the, um, the simplicity of the teachings. And I'm sure Anthony can speak to that more. And also the guided portion of the journey. This medicine is incredibly interactive and we spend Uh, time with each of the guests really guiding them through aspects of their lives that need some attention so that is a very it's a you know a really intense and um special you know psychotherapy session if you will you know just really opening up aspects of people's lives um you know, just by exploration, like taking people to timelines in their life, especially in their childhood, specifically, we go into the childhood
2: while they're on the medicine on the map. Yeah.
1: So. While, while they're on the medicine to, to really gain so much more access to the trapped memories and the awarenesses that, you know, have been uh, blinded by life and, you know, pain and coping mechanisms and, and all of that. So mm-hmm. it's incredible. And Anthony can speak to that a little bit.
2: But more if you want to, yeah. I mean, so my, my experience training with some of the indigenous people ha- has been amazing, it's been uh, really uh, an incredible gift to, to receive some of that energy and, and wisdom. And, um, you know, I come, you know, after eight years working with this medicine, I've come to understand that. Um, I only really know one or 2% of of the tradition because there's a couple of things. One, I'm not necessarily sure that they wanna share everything with us. Yeah, I think that Mm -hmm. that's sacred to them. This is Mm -hmm. their tradition, this is their lineage and Mm -hmm. I absolutely respect and honor that. And then the other piece is is that I don't know how much of what they do there in their ceremonies, in their ritual, in their, their tribes is applicable to us here in the West. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that they have taught us how to do, which I think is very applicable here is this psycho spiritual journey that Amber was talking about. And this is the type of journey where, you know, the the participant is on the mattress there's a blindfold on, this is what we do here. And the purpose of this journey is to go within yourself, right. To drive further into the root of fear, insecurity, Um, lack of self worth, lack of, you know, feeling loved, lack of feeling, you know, attachment to our parents or safety, you know, so this type of journey really takes us into those roots of the programming and the conditioning. And and I think that, you know, so, so in Gabon, they're doing this type of journey for people that are suffering from psychological conditions, emotional conditions, physical conditions, spiritual conditions. And so this type of journey, I think, is very applicable here. This is what we built our retreat around, um, not an initiation, not a rites of passage. We built it around this psycho-spiritual journey, and, um, and it works. It works because people in the West, using this medicine to understand themselves, understand their behaviors, their thinking process, their feelings, how they react to the to, to their feelings, how they get on with themselves, how they get on with the world, I think is is the most profound that they can receive from working with a boga. And then if people feel called to go to Gabon to do like initiation, then that's a whole nother experience. But I also feel that there's a, a path and a roadmap with the boga. So for example, if somebody's feeling the call to go work with the indigenous people, I, I think it's important to have a psycho-spiritual journey or two under their belt like a connection with the boga, connection to the, the music, the ritual, before going to Gabon. Mm-hmm. That's how I've done it, and that's how probably 90% of the people I know have done it. Mm-hmm. And the people that have gone to Gabon for the first time of experiencing uh, Iboga, those people have come to Costa Rica to do this type of journey. Because mm-hmm. they weren't able to get, um, I guess, maybe as deep as they thought they wanted to get over there, because there is a lot of outside stimuli. You know, you're on you're you're on a bench in a temple with your eyes open, whereas here you're on a mattress with a blindfold going in. So the energy and the um, intention is very different. Mm.
3: You're
1: in survival mode there. Like you don't know if you're going to be able to walk to the toilet. There's not even a toilet because it's an outhouse or a hole in the ground. There's, you know, there's no creature comforts to allow people just to really, you know, be relaxed. In not yoga is not necessarily relaxing, but sort of surrender yourself into to the
0: mm. process it's kind of um, more of like an ordeal or that yeah, kind of thing like a tribulation like a chosen tribulation
1: yeah and there's not a whole lot of context if you don't really understand how this medicine works and you haven't received the downloads or you know started to build a relationship
3: mm-hmm. it's
1: that much more chaotic i mean my initiation was I, I didn't understand anything that i received for months and months and months um, and I got a lot out of the experience, but it was not as clear and direct, uh, as what we receive in, in, in the, you know, the, the journey, um, you know, on the, mat, the psychospiritual spiritual portion of that.
0: Yeah, that, that makes, you know, that makes a lot of sense, uh, just uh, studying the different uh, shamanic traditions that a lot of the, uh, ceremonies, rituals, dances, songs, uh, they're tools and uh, many times they're, they're culture specific. So uh, they, they're they like the tool for the people who know all of the language and the backgrounds and the kind of archetypal mythology from childhood of, of that area. So for, for someone living there, that's like the best way to do it. But the question is, and I think this is the question that you guys are answering with your, uh, with your retreat, is how do people from... The Western tradition, which of course have roots in shamanism too, uh, all across uh, uh, Europe, particularly like Western, Eastern Europe, Siberia, etc. So th- there, there is uh, lineages of shamanism that also do use plants and things. Um, but a lot of these, the medicines that are used more in the s- uh, southern hemispheres, like South America, Africa, etc., uh, they were never available to people of uh you know going back far far uh in heritage so the question is what is the best way for people with you know a western education to do uh to to do this medicine and to get the most out of it right because it seems like to one degree to have some kind of like formal ritual that has some meaning would seem very helpful because it almost kind of counters the the spirit of the 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 worst of the spirit of the the western mind which is kind of oh that's all nonsense and magic and all that ritual stuff is just fancy cultural relics and have no meaning I'd rather just you know well, uh, find the root and the leaf ayahuasca make it in my house just t- take it on my own just do you know that that's more of the that's kind of more of what the the west seems to be about so it's, it's so cool that you guys are doing that.
2: Well, what's interesting is, you know, my first retreat with Iboga was here in Costa Rica and, you know, two ceremonies. And the indigenous people were here. They, they were around me. I mean, I, I could see laying down on my mattress with a blindfold on. It felt like I was sitting up straight because I could see out of the temple and the whole entire village and tribe dancing, fire, singing, like that was happening in my journey here in Costa Rica. And then there was another moment where a native man was laying or or hovering above me uh, horizontally, like doing physical healing on me. And oftentimes when guests are coming here to work with us, they feel like, you know, the music is live. I mean, we do play some instruments live, but a lot of it's recorded on a really beautiful sound system. And but but oftentimes the, the, the guests are saying they feel like they're in Gabon. They feel like the, mm. the native buiti indigenous people are are around them. And that's part of you know us calling in the spirits, you know, when we're opening the ceremony, as well as just the energy of the medicine, knowing the way we're working with it, the spirit of a and the indigenous people coming, like they're they're, they're spirits, you know, not mm. the non physical coming here to support this experience. So we're bringing them mm-hmm. <laughs> with, without having to go to Gabon. And, and then of course, Gabon has a place. I think that, you know, oftentimes when people do experience Iboga in this setting that sometimes they get called to go to Gabon. And I think that that's beautiful that they want to go see how the indigenous people are practicing with it in the motherland live with all of the dance and the music and the, and the expression. And so then they get a chance to be able to to, to, to be a part of that experience. Mm. Or experience it,
0: yeah. There's something interesting uh, that Terrence McKenna said that, uh, that I always found very interesting about the different uh, psychedelic medicines and substances, et cetera. He had this theory that each different uh, plant or substance that was used throughout history, because of the people that were used in it and the culture, that it creates almost this kind of... Uh, like shared mind space of everyone's experience who's ever done it and everything that's added into it is still kind of present. So Mm -hmm. kind of like what you're saying, you do a boga in Costa Rica. And then because there's such a rich tradition, no matter what, some elements of that come up. And I've noticed that with, uh, with different, uh, with different uh, psychedelic medicines, particularly psilocybin always having its very own, very particular, Um, And this might just be in in my own uh, personal experiences, but it always had um, uh, psilocybin for me, you know, uh, uh, doing it uh, alone and just meditatively and going through the reflective process, Uh, having this almost kind of archaic, almost like ancient Christian type of vibe to it and that's kind of like the heritage that I come from although you know I don't I don't go to a church necessarily or, or anything like that so it always surprised me to have so much of this symbolism coming up when I thought you know this this was at the time that I was studying Hinduism and Zen Buddhism but every time I did psilocybin all these very archaic type of Christian themes were always very very prominent so it's uh it, it's interesting that there's a kind of this link through through time with these um with these medicines how how would you guys say that iboga differs from other from other uh sacred medicine psychedelics entheogens in terms of its experience its effects etc yeah
1: i mean they all they all have their own personality yeah um you know, I think these days ayahuasca and psilocybin are kind of the, the front runners. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, of course there's so many others, peyote, DMT, 5-MeO, the guachuma or San Pedro,
3: mm-hmm.
1: LSA, of course, which is not a plant medicine, but it is, you know, a, a psychedelic that does unlock our subconscious. Um, and so they all have their own unique personality and a unique way in which they teach. And, you know, everyone receives all of these medicines differently because we are are all so different. You know, you have almost 8 billion people on the planet and if everybody were to take any one of these medicines they would have a totally different experience and their next experience would be completely different than the Mm -hmm. previous one. So, Mm
3: -hmm.
1: you know, the the diversity is is wide Um, but there are obviously commonalities in the personality of these particular medicines iboga is by characteristic very clear and direct that does not mean that every aspect of the experience is going to be clear and direct um, but the way in which it teaches is much easier to translate than comparatively speaking to ayahuasca let's say you know i, I feel, and this seems to be sort of a collective opinion, that Ayahuasca has a, a very um, esoteric energy and, and quite um, galactic in a lot of ways. You know, she, she has a, a, a very broad reach in terms of connecting with other beings and life forces and um, other realms much more obviously than Iboga seems to stay pretty much in the lane of the person that's working with it. So Mm. what I mean by that is going into all elements of this person's life and their personal experience in this lifetime. That's not to say, you know, people do access a lot of information from past lives. Um, so I would say this particular soul's journey and most specifically the, the life that they are in now. Mm. Um, And so, you know, it is a root. The the medicine itself comes from the bark of a tree, the, the bark of the root of the tree. And so in essence, it takes us down into the root of who we are. Whereas, you know, ayahuasca is a vine, which is very communal. It travels out and up. That's not to say you don't receive a lot of wisdom and information about you in this life, but there's a lot of other components coming in. And iboga seems to stay pretty much Within our life experience, you know, as Amber, as Anthony, as Dan, in this lifetime, mm-hmm. um, the um, the visuals—if you get them—which you know—we always say visuals are not the goal. Like the visuals do not dictate whether mm-hmm. or not the is working.
0: I said that um, in meditation too. Yeah. People, people seeking mystical trips. It's like, Nope, you're yeah. totally missing the whole point of this. Yeah, <laughs> do, do you even know what this is actually about?
3: <laughs> well, I think, you know, there's so
1: much importance placed on the psychedelic <clears throat> aspect of it. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, really we can get rid of that whole component just for the essence of how this medicine works is really connecting us to the truth of what's actually going on in our
3: lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
1: what we have experienced you know, as little people, even, you know, we can take people back or the medicine takes people back. We help guide them back to, you know, when they're in the womb sometimes even. So um, gaining clarity around our life by removing the blocks that are in, in the way of us seeing more clearly. And so, you know, when if we're taking the psychedelic element out of it, and we're forgetting the visions altogether, just opening up the knowing of what we're working with, hmm. both from a experiential standpoint, like what has our life been? And you know, all these memories that have been locked away, I and mean, you have no idea how many people connect to memories that they realize were so impacting that they didn't even know ever happened. Hmm. and so they can connect to that memory then they start to see and the medicine will just unfold before them the ways in which that experience has impacted them so without any type of hallucination you can connect so much more fluidly to aspects of your life and aspects of your character in this present time as an adult in pain you know seeking more truth and and how and why you became who you are. So mm. I guess that would be the, the most basic way I could explain it. I mean, it works on a, a neurological level as well, a physiological level. Um, you know, it's not just about understanding our lives. It's not just about connecting to the spirit world and mm-hmm. our
3: consciousness.
1: It, it really does have a more fundamental, um, healing component to it as well. And, uh, you know, I mean, if, I'm sure you probably believe that our, stress is in our tissues you know that our biography Mm -hmm. becomes our biology Mm -hmm. and so when we can understand more about ourselves and our life it helps heal the body mind and soul you know it's all it's all interwoven
3: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: but iboga does seem to have a bit more to offer in that realm than a lot of other plant Mm. medicines. i'm not i'm not impugning at all Mm -hmm. you know ayahuasca and psilocybin's ability to Mm -hmm. to body as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but from a neurological standpoint, and of course, there's not a lot of data out there yet. There hasn't been a whole lot of really clear, specific clinical studies on iboga. Mm -hmm. There are some, and I, you know, we, we believe that there will be more, Mm -hmm. Uh, but certainly, you know, that we've seen some brain scans of pre and post iboga and that the improvement in the brain function after iboga is, is definitely, Mm
0: -hmm. uh, yeah. So iboga is kind of more related to everyday life, that person's history, more kind of pragmatic and, and direct uh, is, is kind of what I'm understanding. Um, yeah. yes. whereas, whereas like psilocybin, it, it can get very, very heady or it can be grounded in nature depending on the set and setting kind of thing. And then ayahuasca, of course, has very strong visionary component. Um, what's like the, the feeling state of Iboga at the highest dose that is used for the the various initiation or or retreats, what would you liken it most to? Is it kind of like a state of like, half awake, half dreaming? Is it kind of related to other plant compounds or anything you've experienced? Or is it just very, very peculiar and, and not even comparable to the other psychedelic spaces?
2: Yeah. I, I don't even think it's comparable. i mean, because I, you know, when I recall or tap back into some of my high dose ceremonies, um, it was like, I knew where I was, right. I knew I was in Costa Rica, I was on a mattress, but the head medicine had taken me into like this dream state. Um, you know, cause the, vi- the visions are, are, are quite unique on Iboga, very different than, than, than any other, like, almost like, like circus-like and they could be very colorful, um, or mine were at least. And, and, uh, but I felt like I was in this, you know, visionary uh, on this journey, but out there, but yet still in here, Mm -hmm. right. Still knowing where I'm at, knowing I'm on the mattress, but I'm experiencing I'm like witnessing, Um, what the medicine was showing me from a grounded space. Mm -hmm. Whereas like I, for example, sometimes I just can completely turn you upside down and you don't even know which way is up or down. Mm -hmm. And um, I find that with, with the Boga, even in the strongest, deepest realms with the Boga, you still like know where you're at, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, that you're, you're, you're here in Costa Rica or you're in Gabon, uh, but you're just going on this journey, you know, with, with the medicine. And mm. it can be lucid as well. Um, but yeah, it's really hard to compare it to the other medicines because it's, you know, it's its own unique experience. And then also everyone that takes it is unique. And so the, like the, the treatment plan, the journey and the ceremony is designed specifically for that person that ingests the physical medicine. If Is there that-
0: any uh, bodily sensation associated with it that's kind of characteristic?
2: Yeah, so I think um, well, I feel like it boga can be quite um, electric at times. Yeah, like there's a vibration with, with the medicine um, where you really can feel your, your your body like like vibrating at this you know at this frequency. Um, like
1: your central nervous system getting completely reset
2: yeah reset and 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 and, Mm -hmm. and there's a a lot of brain activity with the boga because it it is a mind medicine similar to to psilocybin like where it really likes to um release the subconscious mind you know oftentimes people have you know a mind purge and they're like seeing all these faces and all these Past memories are coming in just for like seconds at a time, and all of a sudden they're disappearing again because the medicine is just mm. working on um, releasing and unloading the you know the subconscious memory uh, and programming. So you do get a lot of mind stuff, and I think you get a lot of yeah b- body sensation um, from a electrical. I feel a lot electric with, with with the boga at times. Yeah, there's so- a lot
1: of a lot of vibration um, and the body can feel quite heavy. It's a very grounded medicine. So people can be completely out there and you can come and have a conversation with them and they can come totally present right, and have a, have a full on dialogue right, and th- that I've never experienced in any other medicine. Um, yeah. It's so the, it sounds like
0: the conscious mind is still a little, a little bit there for Iboga. Whereas sometimes with I and psilocybin, the conscious mind might be far, far gone. in some other location.
2: Yeah. 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 It is very fascinating how we can go up to people and they can be completely deep in the medicine and then they can come back and have a dialogue. And sometimes, you know, people having a dialogue, but then they just completely forget what we're talking about because they're really out there. Um, But it is very grounding in that way where it can really launch you out, but yet there's this string attached to you. Mm -hmm in the grounding cord.
1: Yeah, you know, we have never, knock on wood, seen someone completely go out of their body. Like, you know, ayahuasca often can, people can get, you know, possessed and, you know, go, go back to a previous life. They can go just totally check out into another realm when there's like, who knows, all sorts of ancestral healing being done, mm-hmm. healing being done. And you cannot actually have a conversation with these people, they're flailing around in violence. You know, that, that does not happen with this medicine
0: um i always find that so interesting with with ayahuasca in particular because there's this kind of there's a a general culture around it which is is generally very very weighted on the positive end of it um whereas in the shamanic traditions these different plant medicines i mean some of the things you deal with if you're if you're really doing healing work, work is really some of the darkest stuff that is possibly imaginable but i guess no one would be interested in it if that's what was talked about as mm-hmm. you know it's like it's good for you and it's going to be the best thing ever happened in your life but like maybe that day that you do it or that week is going to be like horrible like but 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 healing is not always good or pleasant and, and that's why it's healing because it's kind of facing the things that we we uh, don't want to face it's rarely
1: um, easy right yeah, yeah you know we we try to reframe the the notion of healing just to coming back to wholeness you know because mm-hmm. everything that we need is already within us all of our capacity to connect to our heart to be more loving and open and compassionate and to love ourselves all of that is is within us and so healing and this is a term we use all the time too because we're programmed to use this word but healing indicates that we're broken mm-hmm. and that something needs to be fixed rather than mm-hmm. The awareness that we are truly just coming back home to mm. ourselves yeah and, uh, it, no it's not it's not an easy journey and yeah. it's often not fun it can be very fun however it can be very euphoric and although iboga is a very strong medicine it it has a wonderful sense of humor actually and um you can have a lot of fun in the process of coming back to wholeness but yeah Truly really by design, it's not it's not a fun path, which is why, you know, only the select few of us are are willing to do it in this lifetime. Cause it's yeah,
3: <laughs> It
0: depends so much on the on the person too. I mean, just in general, these these sacred medicines, I mean, for a thousand people, they have a thousand effects. Yeah. Uh, they're they're not they're not at all really like alcohol or even like cannabis or even like other things which have a pretty in their normal usage it's pretty consistent what happens to people but with with the sacred medicines it's there's like a certain characteristic feeling state but that feeling state is only really for that person and then some people agree about, about that to some some degree um yeah i've been thinking about this this question of how much does the tools used in the ceremony impact where the ceremony goes, meaning like the music that's used, the cultural background that it comes from, what techniques are used, et cetera, et cetera, in the experience? Um, how much does that play a part and how much does the kind of intrinsic what you could call the spirit of the plant or the particular plants healing gifts or medicinal qualities, that kind of thing?
2: Yeah, I mean, we, we only know the ceremonies with a fire. We always have a fire. I mean, the spirit of fire is really important in, in the Bwiti tradition, and I think in, in many different traditions. Mm-hmm. So, there's always a fire in, in the boga ceremony, and there is always the traditional music. Um, and, you know, some of the instruments we have with the shakers and like the water buffalo horn, and, um, you know, in the dance and, you know, the torches that we use. And so we only know the ceremony that way. Like, for example, I, I have I've curated all this music over the last number of years and created a number of different playlists and throughout the evening. And, you know, between some of the songs or some of the playlists, I have like a 30 second or 45 second or a minute, uh, 60 second silence. And oftentimes people will report like when the, when the silence is there that they kind of feel a little bit like uneasy that the music is not playing because you know, the music is like the driver. It's like the GPS, it's like the guide, it's like the, the core of of, what, of the ceremony. And so like, I mean, they're singing to uh, the nature, they're singing to the ancestors, they're singing to the elements, the sun, the moon. And so, um, yeah, we, I mean, we only know it that way. And I, and I think that it's really important to have these types of tools when you're working with this medicine um, I'm, I'm sure you could probably do it other ways if you had the right set and the right set setting and intention, mm-hmm. um, but it just feels safe the way that we're doing it, and we feel very protected
3: mm-hmm. um,
2: by the medicine and 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 by the spirits, by the energy, by the ancestors. Um, yeah, so I mean that's the only way that we work with it in in in, in that fashion. Mm.
1: So I can speak a bit more to the music. Um... Some people really love it, but it's rare. Most of the time people are like, oh my God, we you turn that station? It's, <laughs> it's very intense. It's very, mm-hmm. you know, the music was informed by the medicine. So it's very, very <clears throat> unique. The, the main components are the magongo, which is a mouth bow. It's an incredibly unique sound. It has a, a vibrating twang, like nothing you've ever heard really. Um, it's actually really a miracle how they play it um, with their mouth is, is the sort mm. of the amphitheater is, is the mouth is the the sound system mm-hmm. um, and the, the harp and then, you know, various drums and and things like that. So the gongo and the Nagombi are, are essentially the main components and the music has a tempo that really is a huge component in what defrags the hard drive of the mind. Mm -hmm. So it has a really important purpose in loosening all of the stuckness, all of the Mm -hmm. stuck energy, all of the trapped emotions, all of the trapped memories. Um, And so, you know, I think that the music has a very important element of creating that mind purge that Anthony was talking about earlier. That's actually often the first thing most people will experience and it's not guaranteed, but, that usually is the first hour or two of the ceremony is that mind purge. So just moving all of this old information that we no longer need so that we can see more clearly and then, you know, bring new information and awareness back in. and So clearing space um, and, you know, the medicine or the music also helps the heart rate stay consistent hmm. and this tempo it has has a function in that way as well. It's very, very practical. And so, you know, this medicine is incredibly safe, but it does impact the heart. If people don't have healthy hearts, you know, this is not the medicine for them and we're very responsible. We do EK EKGs um before every ceremony or before any guest, guest comes. Yeah, we have doctors on site and
3: that's um, a good idea.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So but just in terms of the function of this tool, the music. Mm-hmm. Is is uh um, you know it has you know a few different functions. Um mm-hmm.
0: is the tempo fast like the yeah. traditional shamanic like 120 beats per minute, bum 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 that kind of thing?
1: I am not a musician at all. I don't know how many beats per minute, but yes, it's, ve- it's fast. very it's very fast, very, very fast. Okay, so, far-
0: so it's like journeying music basically, more or yeah. less. Yeah, yes, yes. There's a this is
2: a specific playlist for a period of time like just where it's Playing the Mogongo, the instrument Amber's Amber was just talking about, and yeah, very fast beat, upbeat, um,
0: yeah.
2: yeah, kind of like just rearranging things.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the way I view it is, is how could that not work? Because even with just, even with just the drum beat journeying as possible, even uh, I do some music therapy for, for my patients where we I have certain songs that we listen to and it's kind of from the Jungian tradition of like expressing what images come up and kind of mixed with art therapy, but just that on its own, no, no, herb, no substance that, that already in and of itself is so healing. Then you throw in a catalyzer. And I mean, it's, it's almost impossible for something remarkable not to happen because just, just with the music and just with the chant and just with the intentions that in and of itself already does so much and then when you pair it together with the with the sacred medicine it, it just it, it it makes it happen when it wouldn't for per, it, it kind of just makes it happen it because if you just took the medicine on its own something would happen now if you have the drums in this you have nothing else to pay attention to so you you're you're yeah. o- almost in a sense you're signing up for a journey that you can't sign off of yeah, whereas exactly. with uh music and stuff you could be like oh, this is making this this drum beat's making me a little bit anxious, making me think about stuff I don't want to think about. I'll just, I'll just relax for a little bit. But with the medicine, it's like you're, you signed up and you're going on the ride. And if you're trying to get off, like you're going to have a terrible, <clears throat> terrible trip. You just need to just be like, I'm just going to my destination then, I guess. <laughs>
1: well, if you think about you know, the body being, you know, such a high percentage of water, right? And water is so um, responsive to music and vibration. And so that in and of itself, from a more scientific perspective, right. is kind of a, um, you know, that's an absolute that something is gonna happen just without the substance, like you just said. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, especially when you add the intensity of this particular music with the plant itself, you know, people report up to days afterwards actually still hearing the music. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that just speaks to the power of the music itself. And you can journey mm-hmm. to other music for sure. The medicine will still work. It's not that it, it's not able to do what it wants to do. And so just, yeah. just back around. to the You have original. to have some
0: tool though, or else it's too, un, it's too unguided. I feel like if you don't have some music or some tradition or something, at least guiding you along, even if it's somebody wanted to do it completely on their own. Uh, it makes all the difference for, for any kind of experience because it can make a bad experience a good one and a good experience uh, an ecstatic one kind of thing. Um, yeah. that, that brings up, have you guys ever heard of uh, uh, chimatics or sometimes it's called cymatics? It's, mm-hmm. the, um, it's the science studying how, how vibration and sound frequencies um, alter matter. Like how they alter patterns of matter, it, it it's really really fascinating because there's experiments where they take, like imagine some kind of like subwoofer type speaker, and then they put like a metallic plate on it, and then they put like sand on it on top of it of the plate, and then they play different frequencies, and depending on what frequencies played, the sand will actually arrange itself in different geometrical patterns. So uh, it, it, I mean you know you could you could kind of see it for yourself um uh when i saw some of those videos i was completely mind blown because some of the geometries that were made by the sand by these sound waves were like wow yeah just like a lot of what the the mystics over time have, have drawn as symbols and things like that And i'm just like how did they even know that uh so so music definitely in and of itself already has such a healing power especially when it's You know, when the waves are like physically hitting your body, when you have the sound turned up loud and it's like actually reverberating through you. So,
1: for sure. So, anyone that's curious, including yourself, if you Google Magungo on, and it's spelled, how do you spell it? M O U
2: N G O, M O U N. There's
1: an H in there somewhere.
2: There's no H. Magungo. Okay, there's no H.
1: He's going to spell it out in a minute because it's a, it's a fascinating instrument to see being plain played. Is it
0: like a mouth, a mouth harp where oh, it's like, brom, brom, <laughs> brom. yeah, in my, uh, in my tradition. So I was born in Ukraine uh, and the kind of Siberian Tunguska type shamans, the, the mountain people, they have this, this weird mouth harp thing that they always use. It's like, it's like a piece of metal you put in your mouth and, you like open your mouth and it goes wom 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 wom, and you can make all these different sounds. Is it kind of like that, or
1: it's much bigger? I mean, it's literally like putting a bow and arrow string through the mouth.
0: Yeah. Oh uh, wow. Spelled m
2: o u n g o n g o. Yeah. Excellent.
1: Yeah, it's a really neat thing to see, but yeah, I'll, uh,
0: no I'll start. I'll I'll have the uh, podcast intro with some some music from that. How's yeah. That? Perfect. Yeah, this sounds is like I got, a cool it's, idea. It's, I want to <laughs> hear what that sounds like too myself. I'll send you some good ones. Here it is. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It sounds almost like uh, electronic music in yeah. some kind of way.
3: It, 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 it's very <laughs> elastic.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. And it's one instrument, when you're on the medicine. It's one. It's one instrument with some shakers that sounds like you
0: know ten people yeah, are playing like different.
2: orchestra. Yeah, I, I can
0: imagine. Are the patterns that are typically played? Are they pretty? uh, I guess like, like uniform. Is it like a pretty stable type of melody that's played for a very, very long time with like a kind of background like shaking type yeah. or Yeah, yeah
2: because I mean some of these guys can play up to, I mean 15, 16 minutes of of this uh, instrument And um, yeah, but typically they're like seven, eight, nine, ten minutes songs that it's kind of like
0: repetitive pattern yeah 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 yeah, definitely some journey music i'll I'll definitely have to listen to it and see see what happens
2: i sent you a good one that you could um navigate off that one
0: excellent excellent yeah i think that that's a really important thing for um for people interested in the psychedelic sphere is to understand the the importance of the the ritual and the ceremony behind it because that stuff is uh, it, it's so it's so important, especially for Westerners. I, f- I feel like because we don't really have con- uh, much of a connection through our culture to these deep traditions. Although we all are, I mean, shamanism is something that existed across the whole earth in every region. So every person could find some some uh, trace back because that's you know that's the ancient religion and and uh, way of medicine of, of humans. Uh, but but having something to connect through seems Really, really, uh, really helpful in in having a little bit more of an impactful experience because it seems like the sacred medicines themselves, if you take them alone on your own nature, they will have many different healing effects. They are in, in of themselves. They have their medicinal and guiding qualities, but used in tandem with some guidance and some direction, then it's like, you know, it's like psychic surgery or something. I would call it.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, speaking specifically of a boga, I mean, if somebody wanted to take a boga on their own, I mean, I, I think you, you, you got to have a really strong relationship with it before doing something like that, uh, as well as somebody with you, you know, uh, guiding you or just, or, or looking, holding
1: at, space. Yeah, looking after
2: you. I mean, it, yeah. So
1: you're opening a whole realm that yeah. of anything to come in. And so this is not, that's for sure. is a lot more, manageable from an independent standpoint, iboga, ayahuasca, is absolutely not recommended to do on your own, unless you have a very, very deep relationship with the medicine. And even then you still want a sitter to be with you. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: That's, that's the interesting thing there. So like the iboga and even the ayahuasca, uh, they, they're the sacred medicines. that get into the realm of possible physiologic harm at high doses. And especially if something's going wrong, whereas with some some of the psychedelics, like um, more the, the classical ones like LSD and psilocybin, their lethal dose is like it's like sixty grams of mushrooms or something to die physiologically. For. I mean, you'll completely probably lose your mind forever. Like somewhere halfway on that journey to that to that sixty kilogram dose, but. Um, uh, th- they are very inherently uh, physically safe, but psychically, that's where the dangers yeah. come in. And then it seems like ayahuasca, when you start mixing the different medicinal components in there, that's where it's like those ones seem more. They're having a lot of body medicine effects, too, where they're having a lot of physiological effects that are very helpful. And those could be, you know, if somebody's on like 10 pharmaceuticals um, of different, different varieties and such you know, taking ayahuasca or ibogaine might might not be recommendable, might might be something to at least talk with some physician about, uh, some physician who actually knows about that kind of thing though, too, because you don't want some, you don't want a biased opinion either of, oh yeah, that's just going to kill you. Don't even worry about it. Just take, take this blood pressure medication. You'll be fine. (laughs) You don't want that kind of advice either. That's not really that good.
1: (laughs) There's, there's one thing that you, that you just mentioned that I think is worth noting. Um, iboga is different than ibogaine. Mm -hmm. And so Ibogaine is one alkaloid that exists in the 12, 13, 14. They're they're not exactly sure how many alkaloids are in Iboga. And Ibogaine, which is a bit more um, popular, it's not the right word. Ibogaine is a bit more well-known by the masses for its ability to detox the body and block the opiate receptors. Iboga is the full root Mm -hmm. and that has actually the spirit of the medicine in it. That's not to say that Ibogaine is not psychedelic because it is. Um, But that is used specifically for detox and also has been synthesized, you know, in interest of sustainability, et cetera, and Mm -hmm. treating our massive opiate crisis. Um, Mm -hmm. It it definitely has a place, but Ibogaine and Ibogaine clinics are, are really more for detox and then iboga is for spiritual studies so someone that wants to detox for example would find an ibogaine clinic and then if they really want to look deeper into their lives they would work with iboga
0: Mm, yeah that that makes a lot of sense i mean uh, taking one one of the alkaloids and hyper concentrating it that that can have some benefits of course and it it has its own medicinal effects in and of itself Mm -hmm. Uh, but the way the alkaloids exist in the planet in nature tend to be uh, far more nuanced And also uh, just from my uh, herbalism is something that I've, I've been practicing for quite a while, just my own experiences with the difference between like extracts versus whole plant mixes. Um, It's this, the funny thing that a a lot of times, like the antidotes for the bad things within the plant are also within the plant. Like uh, plants that are toxic. Some, sometimes the plant also makes compounds that help against the toxicity of it in within the own plant. But if you, if you take it out and you're not very careful, then you're, you're missing out uh, uh, some of that aspect. So there's there's definitely a lot of fruitful conversation to be had in that sphere because the sustainability question, that's really important. Getting okay. Is it better just to get the medicine out? Like if someone can't have iboga, maybe ibogaine is their only option. Is it better than nothing? Or is iboga the way? Or is psilocybin in its full form with the psilocin you know, in the dried mushroom form? Or uh, pharmaceutical tablets of it. There's a lot going on here now in Oregon because psilocybin uh, just became uh, legalized for uh, basically medical type psychotherapy. Over the next uh, uh, year or two, they're implementing it, so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens because they have uh, uh, unclear language about what they even mean by psilocybin, because psilocybin refers to the co- one of the compounds, and it also refers to the overall mushroom, which of course has, you know, dozens of different alkaloids in it. And some of them are psychedelic. Some of them have other medicinal effects, et cetera, kind of like, uh, like cannabis, right. The THC and CBD yeah. is the big focus, but there's also like a hundred other compounds in it. Uh, so it's a, it's a, it's a big, it's a, it's a big question um, of what the best way to do it. I tend to lean more on the whole plant extract. It just seems safer because everything that's done scientifically, it could be like a big innovation and a great thing. Right. But also every plant that exists for a large part, I mean, we obviously exist in such a symbiotic relationship with plants that plants that we've been using for a long time, like we're adapted to using all of those things. Like most of those plants are not to- toxic to us because of that reason. Um, but if you pull out one alkaloid, you start hyper-concentrating, taking it. Now you're taking something that no human has ever taken before. And that, yeah. that could either be good or I could be, you know, terribly horrible. The reason it that it was
1: made in its entirety, right. by mother nature. So, yeah. but you know, from a sustainability perspective in regards to Ibogaine, you know, that responsibly speaking, it's, it's not, you know, treating the opiate addiction, uh, the opiate em- epidemic, which is absolutely um, necessary uh, to do it with Iboga is not to say that it's a waste because I agree that taking the plant in in its entirety um, is probably always not, maybe not always, but often the better option, but maybe in certain cases it, you know, it requires a little bit of um, manipulation in order to either be sustainable for, you know, certain Mm -hmm. quantities or, you know, potentially not affecting certain aspects of the body or the mind. You know, for, for the targeted intention, but yeah.
0: Mm, yeah, absolutely. And, and then w- what's more to add to that too, the issue with the single alkaloid too, is what are the chances that that will be in any ritual context? Cause that's already so far removed from that's like, uh, you know, here's this pill you take it and they'll heal you. And it's like, where is all of the, you know, 50 to 75% of all the other things that come with the whole shamanic uh package so to speak of the the medicine with the ritual with the dance with the guidance etc so uh who, who knows that would be an interesting experiment to see like yeah. take like 20 people at, at one retreat and 20 people another retreat the retreats do the exact same methods the same techniques one gets like ibogaine one gets a boga or one gets psilocybin on its own one gets the whole thing and and see how how the experience is different uh, exactly. i'm sure it will be very different i mean there's just yeah, a lot of different. other things acting um, yes.
2: especially tracking them for a year's time as well would be interesting
0: yeah it if it, <laughs> an interesting study if, if for some reason it turns out like the single alkaloid actually leads to bad things in the long run it's yeah. only it's temporarily healing but then i don't think that that probably would be the case but no, not. Who, who knows who knows um yeah. So what have been kind of your biggest takeaways and, and insights through uh, working with Iboga for yourselves and, and for other people?
1: One thing that comes up for me over and over and over again is how much pain people carry. Mm. You know, I mean, I definitely feel like we receive a pretty um, specific cross-section of the population, you know, people that do have a significant amount of trauma um, that did not receive the the nurturing and foundation, the care that that they really needed um, as little people. However, it does seem to be the case that a lot of us are not equipped to be parents because we have so much of our own stuff that is unresolved and... Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we do get people from all walks of life here and it, but it is rare that we receive someone that has not a whole lot of anything from their childhood that they know has impacted them. Um, so if we were to give or if we were to, to treat seven and a half billion people on the planet, how, how many of them would have had a loving, stable, connected, compassionate upbringing, probably a a decent amount of them, but I would not say that that is the norm. I would agree
0: with that for sure. It's definitely more of a rarity for someone who comes out like relatively unscathed. I mean, life itself has its own scathing, uh, even with the best of intentions.
1: For... So, so uh, you know, on one hand, it's extraordinary, extraordinary how much pain people carry and how much they're actually able to put one foot in front of the other, you know, and how adept the psyche is at shutting down aspects of our memory and aspects of our inability to feel and, you know, to be like what we have to do in order to be productive, right? But then really, most importantly, how little attention is paid in our schooling to how to be a human.
3: Mm. You know,
1: we're taught how to, you know, do reading, writing, arithmetic, you know, social studies, et cetera. But there's not a lot of focus placed, especially in conventional education, on all of the things that we absolutely cannot live without, our connection to ourselves, for example, being in relationship with others how to cook, how to, you know, do all of these other fundamental life skills, um, you know, that are an elective, you know, like cooking is an elective, you know, shop, wood shop is an elective. I mean, those are sort of secondary, as far as I'm concerned to emotional health and intelligence that mm-hmm. as far as I can see, we really can't get through life without. And so doing this work time and time again is affirming to me how broken our system is in terms of setting the foundation uh, from the right space.
0: Mm. I think it would be safe to say that the you know a sick culture produces sick people, and that that's the way to look at it. There's a lot of healthy and and beautiful aspects of every culture. And you know, redemptive elements just like there is in people. But in a in a generality, I I completely agree, especially with the education type system. I mean, kids pick up so much just by imitating behavior, right? So even if the teacher is like teaching about anything positive, if they feel a crap about their job because you know they're overworked, they're not getting paid much, they don't have a good home life. That's what the kids pick up anyway. So it doesn't even almost doesn't even matter what they teach, especially if they're at a young age. They kind of just absorb the being much more uh than the the speaking um that only comes like later so but what can you do you just i mean we just keep doing this work i guess that's the only way to do it just heal more people or not rather than heal people uh, i should say help people find their own uh find their own way back to themselves their own way back to happiness the more people that that do that the better off everyone will be because it only takes one good teacher at a school to make a whole school worthwhile. Right. Well, yeah. That's uh, so true. Um, that's been my experience, at least going through school that I, I still the, the teachers that were most inspirational to me, I still remember them very, very clearly. They had a huge impact on my life. And this was just like high school, not really any, anything so yeah. important, so to speak. Um, but it was to me for sure. And it can be, or you could go through all of education and just basically hate it and then just get a nine to five. And then, Which is
3: what a lot of people do. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, there's not really many other options presented. Like you kind of have to you kind of have to be a little bit of a rebel to get out of that. You have to be like, I just don't want to do that. I'm going to do this. Or else that's kind of the default mode network. So it's um these medicines are also very helpful for turning that off. So that that's another good thing to to bring in there, help you not be unconscious even if that um, the bringing to mind of the unconsciousness brings a lot of pain, it's still consciousness. So it's still better ultimately.
1: Yeah. yeah we, we definitely see, you know, people not only connect to their own uh, story, you know, and their own need to heal their lives, but, but a collective consciousness and exactly speaking to what you just said of, of outgrowing <laughs> the paradigm and the construct that, that we've been handed. So it's, it's an overall, awakening. It's not just within our own personal, you know, family story, for example.
0: Mm -hmm. So true.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, how about yourself, uh, Anthony, what are your big, your big takeaways from working with Iboga yourself with other people? I
2: I would say a couple of things. One that Iboga doesn't miss its target, (laughs) right? Like I always see time and time again, that people receive what it is that they need at this time in their life, maybe sometimes not necessarily what they want, but the medicine's high high level of intelligence and then the wisdom of our you know our spirit our soul, together they design the treatment plan for you and, and like I just I don't I never see Iboga missing missing its target and that's really always incredible and fascinating to see time and time again. And we especially see it when people integrate back home. Cause sometimes they're not really sure exactly what they receive. Maybe some areas they, they they got some clarity before they left, but then when they return home is when they start to receive more clarity. Cause one thing with the boga is the half-life and the staying power is, is longer than mm. any other spellic. Yes, this medicine stays in the body longer. I don't know how much longer, but we talk to people six months, a year later, that are still receiving. Uh, results from their experience
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it, it's fascinating with that it's something I've noticed that whenever you really make a change in your mind or behavior or emotions or anything like that you usually don't know it happened. you only know what happened when you get presented with the same situation that you had before and suddenly you don't have the same reaction and you almost can't understand how it's possible that it's different but yet it is that's that's been this been my my experience with it so it's uh when you make those changes oftentimes you don't know and then you're surprised that without any conscious effort the issue is not present anymore and you're like where did it go how did it and that, that that's the mystery of it is is where the hell i mean where was it in the first place why was it I... even there in the first place kind of like it got purged out of the I don't know, body or nervous system, minds, you know, all the kind of the same things. Yeah, that that happens a lot.
2: I noticed that with with a lot of people, they don't really understand exactly what happened in certain areas. And they're just feeling better in in certain aspects of their lives or behaviors or patterning has just been naturally released without a whole lot of effort, which is really great. And some things require, you know, effort and uh, action. Um, I also... Uh, you know another takeaway with with, with boga is that time and time again it you know me personally it just it, it continues to teach me how to trust you know trust myself and trust the um, the mystery of life you know trust the divine plan of the universe and that I don't need to have everything figured out I don't need to know everything um, because I you know I could just relax in the unknown and that's a nice place it's, it's a good place to be as well as um, over and over teaching me about self-love and self-acceptance. You know, no matter what I've done in my life, no matter what I'm going to do, is always accept the entire me. (laughs) And that's been really powerful with with, with Iboga, the the self-accepting, self-love piece. That's beautiful. Yeah,
0: it
1: seems to be that the medicine's biggest mission yeah. is to teach us how to love ourselves right. in spite of, and because of everything mm-hmm. that we've been through and everything we will go through.
0: Yeah. That that's, that's, that's so true. That that's been my experience with pretty much every, every uh, cell experience that I personally had is that's almost the first thing that comes up, but usually after some dark stuff, usually the dark stuff comes yeah. in, <laughs> then you like, you remember the, the, the teaching and what you learn, which is don't resist it. Just go with it, even though it's really, really unpleasant. Um, go through it. And then on the other side is the happiness and self-love. And, oh, it's okay that you felt that way. And all this it kind of all happens automatically. Um, I, the way I kind of view these, these experiences is uh, uh, condensing like months and months and months of insights into a couple of hours. So you can just imagine what that would look like. If if the insights were not pleasant insights or if they were amazingly pleasant insights, it, there really is no way to predict. And at, what I found from my own experiences, too, is often within the same very experience, you'll ride the roller coaster of the, you know, the greatest depths of suffering and then also the greatest heights of bliss all in the same general uh, time frame. So it's kind of like well, the, if, the human yeah. journey magnified into very, very. Con- hyper-concentrated uh, time frame.
1: Yeah, I think there's a there's a reason that these journeys are designed that way, you know, to bring up the dark so that we can accept it from a lighter space is because that is life. Yeah, mm. I mean, doing this work does not make the shadow go away. It doesn't make the difficulty in life go away. It just makes us more accepting, surrendering, and capable of responding rather than reacting. And so... Um, I actually would say life has gotten far more chaotic in a lot of ways since we committed to doing this work fully, because it's that's part of the test, right? Is is how can you maintain the center as life continues to happen? Um, That to change for for anyone really. I I will say that we do need to to start to wrap because Mm -hmm. we have a little baby person, a little two year old. Right.
0: Our
1: our uh, our emergency babysitter is running out of an expiration time so okay well uh, uh, final questions that you have
0: yeah i guess my my final question to you guys would be um what recommendations do you have for someone seeking to learn how to use this medicine um uh particularly uh someone such as myself who is in a healing profession who uh, is interested in working with psychedelic medicines maybe specifically psilocybin uh, unclear yet How would you recommend going about that process of of learning how to work with it well, um, whatever it happens to be, whatever the path is?
2: Yeah. So first step would be, I think, to experience a retreat for yourself, right? If you're somebody that wants to work with a BOGA in a therapeutic way and hold space for your um, clients or patients, I would say experience it. Experience Mm -hmm. a week-long retreat and then see integrate that and see if the medicines calling you to to be of service to it and if the medicine's calling you to be of service to it then I would arrange uh, the next step would be to spend a little time down here yeah like that's well, yeah spend a little time and 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 get to know how we're working with the medicine yeah and and then yeah and then go from there if that, if that's what you're asking like about you actually serving it one day to your your mm-hmm. Yeah. No.
0: Yeah. About myself and about other healers who want to use these kind of sacred medicines, like yeah. that, that journey. Cause of course there's, I mean, our culture is just completely devoid of any shamanic type of like right. Western culture. You have to like read ancient books really, it, or you find somebody. There's, totally. there's really no other way. Uh,
2: my, my most valuable training has been in the retreat environment, hands-on watching hundreds of hundreds of people go through ceremonies over the last eight years pro- probably close to a thousand by now
0: direct experience
2: to me it's it's on the job training hundred yeah. <laughs> percent you have some sort of uh, foundation and understanding of, of, of how it's working but then being in the environment and witnessing people go through it witnessing you know many different people go through with many different uh, things that they're trying to heal
1: mm. so so my my additions to that would be, you know, in whatever medicine it may be, you mentioned psilocybin, you obviously seem to have a very strong relationship with that medicine. Mm -hmm. That before anyone feels like they want to be in service to a particular medicine, they have to have a very strong relationship with it. And you'd be surprised how many people actually are interested in training to become a provider before they've even taken this medicine, which is always sort that's of, kinda,
0: like, that's kind of, that's kind
1: of weird. <laughs> very, yeah. very deep foundational relationship with whatever it is you're yeah. working with. Um, not being afraid to do your own work, mm-hmm. uh, knowing that you are not the healer, that you are not responsible for healing anyone, that they are responsible for connecting to their own intrinsic mm-hmm. wisdom and that you are the conduit. And, you know, certainly some type of, um, Training in a in a shamanic work, excuse me, in a traditional way, depending on what the medicine is, mm-hmm. if you can find roots of it in a tradition, having some foundation in that, regardless of how you move forward with serving it, but just coming from that space.
0: That makes um, sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and then, as Anthony said, you know, spending time, you know, absorbing that from other people, um, you know, this world is becoming so and so massive you know the the realm of healing with psychedelics and there's a lot of people that are kind of rambo style just deciding that they want to do it and i think it's highly highly dangerous and irresponsible not even from a physical standpoint but from a mental emotional standpoint for
3: sure people
1: are very fragile and and incredibly powerful right so um, if we charge in there thinking that we are going to save people, or if we charge in there without the ability to do our own work or any real mm-hmm. foundation training, it's very dangerous. Yeah. And, you know, having some background in, t- in some sort of coaching and some sort of, I mean, there's a lot of beautiful modalities out there that it doesn't mean you need to get a, a degree in psychology, mm-hmm. um, or psychiatry in order to do that, but, you know, having some skill set to really start from, I think is, is also really helpful. Um, yeah.
0: That, that, that makes a lot of, a lot of sense.
1: A, this is not a, this is a huge, huge responsibility and should be taken as such. And I would encourage anyone that is interested in working with any of these medicines with a practitioner to talk with them first and to really, um, you know, understand their vibration, understand where they're coming from, how they hold the space, what their intention is in holding the space, what their um, you know, h- how authentic are they? And, you know, do they have any other ulterior motives, like in terms of like, you know, this is not work that we do to validate us. It's, it's about, um, you know, really being a conduit for other people. And so when we feel that we're the healers, then, you know, it gets very, very sticky. And yeah, uh, yeah, really, yeah, getting- that's- know the person
0: a bit before you make that commitment yeah it's uh i like uh, the traditions of of even medicine uh the alchemical medicines paracelsus always said that uh you know nature is the physician nature is the healer and everyone else is who's even working in a space is just helping helping yeah. give tools in the process um but i i I think that even more than just being a good way to look at it, it is actually the honest truth. If one is really honest about what is happening Um, and that's the actual beauty of it. Cause once you accept that, then you can actually really help. Other than that, it's like, Oh, you know, I got to heal this person and they're not healing. So I'm doing something wrong. It's like, that's the wrong way to look about, especially in in this, in this area too. Um, Another thing that's, uh, for people who have never done any sacred medicines, entheogens, psych, uh, psychedelics, um, these, these substances, these medicines, these plants, they're more powerful than pharmaceuticals. There's no pharmaceutical that exists that is even close to any psychedelic. I mean, and there's like a dozen of them. And so far there's no pharmaceutical that's like it. So um, one should... View them with the same level of looking into making sure they're okay as they would if if they got a medication. Although in general, it seems that the sacred medicines they uh, they tend to be uh, safer physiologically. But where they can take the minds, I mean, the, the the most powerful pharmaceuticals don't even come close to to that. So they're, they're stronger. So that that could either be. Uh, a good thing or a bad thing depending on how you go about using them
1: <laughs> and, and with whom
0: and with yeah. who and and with what process and you know with what amount and all, yeah. all that stuff is is really really important <laughs> so it's definitely not something to go about haphazardly that's my point yeah. in, in bringing it up so it's great that you guys offer a, a retreat and uh, i I hope people really enjoy this episode I, I enjoyed the conversation a lot where uh where can people find your find your retreat or more information about your soul. Yeah, so um, we
1: services. are at awakenyoursoul.co. Okay,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and of course, you know, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. But our website has, you know, a, it's pr- pretty in-depth. with some great articles. We have mm-hmm. a lot of uh, videos that we've done ourselves. We have a lot of testimonials as well. You know, but, but there's other... People to experience Iboga with, also. So it's really just about spreading the the message of this medicine as a whole. And um, you know, if you resonate with us, great. Feel free to call. We're happy to talk to you. Um, if you just like the idea of this medicine, do do a bit of digging and and you know your due diligence in terms of finding who you connect with the most <coughs> mm-hmm. who you feel like you can trust the most, because mm-hmm. it's a you know it, it takes. Um, it's a really powerful experience mm. and requires a very safe container.
0: Mhm. Thank you. Yeah, thank you guys so much. I hope you have a lovely day and good luck in your you. um in your work. So happy there's there's people out you like uh uh doing this kind of thing, you know. So yeah. keep keep yeah. doing it.
2: Yeah, man. Thank, awesome.
0: thank much you. to meet
3: you one day, in person.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um I hope you guys uh Enjoy the Costa Rica weather and the rest of your day as well. Thank you for uh, being on the Herbal Hour podcast. And thank you for anyone who's listening. Uh, Last episode was actually on uh, shamanism too. So if you like this episode, listen to the one before as well. It's kind of a shamanic type of the time of the month, I guess. (laughs)
3: Thanks for that
1: info. It's really important. Thank you.
0: Yes. All right. Thank you so much. Bye.
3: Bye, Dr. Dan.